Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. One of my most favorite stories is the story of Aladdin. And uh, fortunately, we just got to see it in Broadway recently, which was a lot of fun. But I love the story because you see the growth of this character throughout the story, Aladdin. And you see how he starts as a peasant. And even though he's poor, he's actually incredibly selfish. And when he discovers this genie, and he has these three wishes, you know, he becomes even more selfish and egocentrical, and he focuses on himself. But then the climax of the story is obviously in the end, whenever he realizes that this genie has actually been trapped this whole time. And even though he has these three wishes, and the last wish is his most precious wish, and you know, he falls in love with this girl, this princess, and obviously he wants to captivate her and, and win her over. But instead, he sacrifices this very last wish to satisfy his desires, and he liberates the genie. And so you see it, this climax, someone who sacrifices their own wishes in order to give something else to somebody, right? It costed him everything. It costed him everything because he had to sacrifice his dream of living like a prince, of, of marrying this princess, although it still worked out for him in the end. But he counted the cost and he sacrificed what he had. Christ tells us today that if we want to have a relationship with him, that we also have to count the cost because it's going to cost. Right? It, it requires sacrifice. And so, one of the greatest sacrifices we can make in our relationship with God is simply giving Him our time. When we give God our time, we are sacrificing. When we stand before Him in prayer, we are making a sacrifice. Because we could be doing a million other things. And so we're sacrificing our time doing those other activities in order to give Him our heart during prayer. But the pinnacle of that sacrifice when it comes to giving God our time is in forgetting about ourselves whenever we're praying and in simply praising Him. Right? The pinnacle of that sacrifice, it culminates not just when I stand in prayer because I'm sacrificing my time from doing other things and standing before Him, but even during the time of prayer, I'm sacrificing my own desires instead of just listing this a whole list of requests and petitions and God, I need this, I need that. We just stand before Him and say, you know what? It's not about me and it's not about what I want, but it's about glorifying, it's about praising, it's about thanking you for your goodness. Nothing is more sacrificial in our prayer life than gratitude and praise. St. Justin the Martyr says, Prayers and thanksgiving can be considered offerings of complete sacrifice which are accepted by God. The unique honor that's befitting of God is not burnt offerings, but to honor Him by giving thanks through praise and hymns 
because he is our creator. Right? To honor him by giving thanks through praise and hymns because he's our creator. I want to talk to you about praising God for these next couple of weeks as we approach the month of Kiak. This is a very special time in the liturgical calendar. When the church is so joyful, joyful not just because we're going to receive a few gifts under a Christmas tree, but because we're going to receive the gift of salvation. Because we're going to receive eternal life, remission from sins. Nothing is more precious than this. See how a young child celebrates whenever he gets a new toy or like a remote control car or their favorite game or whatever, and they're just running around bragging about it, thanking their parents or their uncle, their aunt, whoever got them this gift. This is the attitude of the church throughout these next few weeks. We're praising God. We're celebrating because of the gift of salvation. The sacrifice of praise, just sacrificing our time, our desires to make all of these petitions and simply praising God is essential to our relationship with Him. Just think about someone who simply just comes to you and all he does is ask for requests. One of your friends, they just see you every time and they say, hey, can you help me with this? Okay, cool, we're friends, I'll help you. Hey, I need you to do this for me. Okay, sure. Next day, I need that. I need that. Can you do this? Like, okay, yeah, we're friends, but like, if that's all our relationship, do this for me, I need that. Can you help me with this? There's no depth in that relationship. There's no appreciation for each other. There's no gratitude. There's no praise. There's no acknowledgement of the other's goodness. Right? And it's... A sacrifice because we have to set aside our own desires, our own needs, and to say, God, it's not about me. I just want to praise you. This precious time, the 10 or 15 minutes that I have to pray, that I can be listing all of the requests that I have, I'm just going to spend those 10, 15 minutes acknowledging your goodness. In the end of the prayer of reconciliation, we all chant, we say, a mercy of peace, and a sacrifice of what? Of praise. When we praise, we sacrifice. Right? It's just like Aladdin. He has his last wish and he says, you know what? I'm not going to use it on myself. I'm going to give it to someone else. Right? That's what this season is all about. Sacrificing our time and our energy. Not in making supplications and petitions, but in praising God and acknowledging His goodness. And of course, God wants us to present our petitions to Him. He wants us to make all the requests in the world. He wants us to come to Him asking for what we need. But we can't limit our relationship to that. Does that make sense? The Psalms are filled with praises and commandments to praise God. Even to praise Him with a shout. Not just to praise Him with a casual voice, but to praise Him with a shout. It's like you're screaming out. It's like you're so excited, you want to scream at the top of your lungs. In Psalm 47.1, it says, O clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with a voice of exaltation. Shout to God. This is the psalm that the priest prays at the conclusion of the liturgy when he's going around the altar, by the way, when he's blowing out the candles and he's doing this little clap going around. Right? Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of joy. 
Psalm 98.4 Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Shout joyfully to the Lord. And, and it's like there's this burst of joy. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. I have to be honest with you. When I step away from my life and I look at myself, I question, is this really a joyful Christian? Is there this burst of praise exuding from his heart? And we have to ask ourselves, if someone was to step outside of our little circle and look at the way that we're living, the way that we're praising, the way that we attend the liturgy, can you tell that this is a joyful Christian, someone that appreciates God's goodness and truly praising Him? And I don't mean just shouting with a loud voice, although that's certainly a part of it that we have to lift up our voices, but we're shouting from the depth of our hearts. Think about how Christ taught us to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, He starts out teaching His disciples, Our Father who art in heaven, and then the very first sentence is what? Hallowed be thy name. I want to exalt your name. I want to bless your name. I want to praise your name. I want to acknowledge the greatness of your name. And then how do we conclude the Lord's Prayer? For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's like this praise sandwich. That's the Lord's Prayer. The fundamental prayer that God gave us is a prayer of praise. Because that's really at the core of our life. God teaches us to praise Him, not because He needs the praise. It's because we need to praise Him. Right? It's because it's literally in our nature. We are wired in this way. St. Gregory the Theologian says, We were made for good works to the glory and praise of our Maker. And, and we sing this in the end of the second host. He made man in His image and His likeness, so what? that He may praise Him. Do we recognize that this is why we are made? Because when we recognize that, then in a sense, we find the fullness of meaning for life. It's, it's like this void that's missing is ultimately satisfied. The paradox though, again, is not that we satisfy God, but we satisfy our own souls. St. John Kizzer says, In point of fact, thanksgiving adds nothing to him, but it brings us closer to him. For if, when we recall the providence of men, we are warned by an increased affection for them, right? when we recall how much people provide for us, we increase in affection for them. Much more when we continually bring to mind the benefits of the Master towards us, shall we more earnest shall we be more earnest with regard to His commandments. So it even inspires us to follow God more. Why? Because we come to a greater appreciation of His goodness, of His providence. Right? Again, praise is in our nature. It's natural for us. It's a natural response to His goodness. Whenever we recognize the extent of His love, the salvation that He gave us, we can't help but respond with praise. It's just the natural way that we're wired. St. Basil meditates on God's goodness and he offers this beautiful prayer. 
Pay attention to this. He says, I bless you, O Lord, though I am powerless. You strengthen my weakness. You stretch forth from above your helping hand and bring me back unto yourself. What shall I render to you, O all good master, for all the good things you have done and continue to do for me, the sinner? He's asking the question, what can I offer you for all the goodness that you've, you've done to me? I will not cease to bless you all the days of my life, my creator, my benefactor, and my guardian. Think about what we do throughout midnight praises. And this is going to get a lot more extensive once we get into Kiyak and we have Sabah Arba. What are we doing for those two or three hours or if it's Kiyak, it's more like four or five hours or even longer? What are we doing for that time? We're simply recalling the economy of divine salvation, the plan of divine salvation. We're going through the history of humanity and how God created us and saved us out of His abundant love. And we're offering Him praise for that salvation that He gave us. That's literally tazbeha in a nutshell. We talk about how we were dead and He gave us life. How we were enslaved and He freed us. How we were in darkness and He brought us into light. That's the transition. And that's why we usually start midnight praises at midnight when it's dark and then it ends at the break of dawn. Right? When the sun rises and it ends at the start of a new day and we celebrate the liturgy, which, you know, the culmination of that praise is in receiving salvation and eternal life from the body and blood of Christ. Right? And so, whenever we look at the goodness of God, our natural response is praising Him. In the St. Cyril liturgy, we start the anaphora by saying this. Truly it is fitting and right and holy and becoming and profitable to our souls, bodies and spirits. O you the being, Master, Lord God, the Father, the Pantocrator, at all times and in all places of your dominion, to praise you, hymn you, bless you, serve you, worship you, thank you and glorify you. And confess to you night and day with incessant lips, with a heart that keeps not silent, and with unceasing doxologies. It is fitting for us to praise Him in that way, with unceasing doxologies. Does that describe my life? It's an important question to ask. Does that describe my life? Do I feel like it is fitting to praise Him and to thank Him and to glorify Him with unceasing doxologies night and day? In the Gregorian liturgy, we see how God gave us the grace of participating in the works of the angels. It's one of the greatest gifts we could imagine, to participate in the works of the angels. In the liturgy of Anaphora, the priest says, You are he whom the angels praise and the archangels worship. You are he whom the principalities bless and to whom the dominions cry. You are he whose glory the authorities declare. Right? He's talking about how the heavenly hosts are praising Him, right? You are He unto whom the thrones send up honor. Thousands of thousands stand before you and ten thousand times ten thousand offer you service. You are He whom the invisible bless and the visible worship. Right? So all of the heavenly hosts are doing what? Are praising Him. And that's why the deacon says, 
You who are seated stand, look towards the east, let us attend, because we're participating in the work of the heavenly hosts, in the work of the angels. Right? And then after this short little part, the priest goes to say, You have given to the earthly the praising of what? Of the seraphim. You have given to us what belongs to the seraphim. That's a big deal. That's such a precious gift. I wonder if we truly recognize the greatness of that gift and what it would do for us if we cherished it. What it would do for us if we truly invested our heart and soul into praising God. When you look at Revelation and what St. John saw, especially in chapter 4 and 5, he saw this image of heaven. And what were the angels doing? Praising God. Saying, holy, 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 O Lord, heaven and earth are full of your heavenly glory. Does that ring a bell? Do we say that? Of course. That's a part of our liturgy because we are imitating the eternal work. When we praise God, we are entering into heaven. When we praise God, we are participating in the work of eternal life. This is the most sacrificial, the most unselfish form of love. Nothing is more unselfish than to stand before God in adoration, to stand silently in awe before Him, as St. Isaac the Syrian puts it. Think of what work in our relationship with God, in our prayers, is more sacrificial. What acknowledges God's goodness more than that? What offers Him more love than that? Again, praise flows from the depth of our heart because we are wired to praise God. We are wired to enter into that relationship with Him. And so it's a condition of joy and gratitude. You see, it's not just something we do at specific times or at certain times. Right? It's a reflection of our heart, the condition of our heart. G.K. Chesterton, who's you know a, a very significant figure in C.S. Lewis's life, by the way, He says, man is more himself, man is more man-like, you're more human, when joy is the fundamental thing in him, and grief, the superficial. You're more like yourself, you're more like a true human, when joy is the fundamental thing in you, what's really at the core and the depth of your heart, and grief is nothing more than a superficial matter. And so he says, praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. It's not just something you do at certain times. That's why we praise God in the good and the bad for everything. Not just, I got a raise, I aced my exam, you know, I finally got the new car that I wanted, I'm going to praise God. That's not the way it works. Praise is a natural condition of the soul in the good and the bad. Think about how St. Mary responded to the Annunciation. She said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Right? My soul magnifies. There was something internally happening. Right? When she recognized God's providence that, wow, He chose me? A poor servant girl? He chose me? Wow. I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with praise. 
deep down in my soul. That's why even when you have a funeral, what's the first thing that we do? We start in thanking God in the prayer of thanksgiving. In every service, that's how we start. I remember when I was younger, and, and I don't even know which funeral it was, but I remember like attending a condolences at Saint A. And you know, it was a pretty tragic time. Everybody's sad, of course, when someone just departed. Then at the conclusion, I remember a group of servants just shifted into the church and started singing praises, singing tasbih. I was like, this is strange. And then I saw this at the very next condolences. And the following condolences. And it was basically just a tradition, right? It's a part of our life that we praise God even in such a tragic time because we trust in His goodness even in such an event, right? And so we praise God for everything. Remember when St. Macarius lost his wife. His wife died, and then you see this in the cynic side, the very next sentence, and he thanked the Lord. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, read that facetiously, like, okay, get ridden, <laughs> they get to go to the monastery and live my life. But no, at the bottom of his heart, even though it hurt, he was still thankful. He still praised God. Do we thank God? Do we praise Him? Do we acknowledge His goodness in the good and the bad? A Christian can't help but praise if Christ is truly present with him. Think of the three holy youths. When Christ entered the fire with them, they burst in praise. They thanked God. They glorified Him. Abuna Tadris Malti says, We praise the Lord not only in public worship, but even in quiet personal moments. As Saint Athanasius says, The rested soul forgets its pain, and by singing holy words, looks with joy to Christ alone. That's what matters, that we praise God in our own personal life. Because we're not just going to flip the switch on whenever we come into church. And we're not just going to, you know, praise God for a few minutes here in a service and then spend the rest of the week without thinking about glorifying Him and thanking Him and praising Him in our own personal life. You see, praise is a lifestyle. It's an attitude, just like gratitude. Gratitude is not just something you do at certain times. You have an attitude of gratitude. You have an attitude of appreciation, of humility. The more we're consumed in our troubles and tempted to just focus on them, the more we should actually abandon them into the hands of God and just simply praise Him for His goodness. That's such a critical concept to apply. The more we're troubled by the burdens of life, the less we should focus on them and just offer them to God. And, and simply praise Him. Simply thank Him and see what He does with all of those troubles and all of those problems. The beautiful story I remember when, when I was in Miami uh, and serving there, the priest there told me that you know, one day he was troubled by a lot of different issues in the church. 
And so he just wanted, you know, to drop all of these problems, just surrender them into, into God's hands, go into the church and pray. But not just go and, and pray about the problems, but to praise God and, and just pray tazbaha, just glorify God, just thank Him. And so he, he left all of those problems at the door, went into the church and started singing tazbaha for like two hours. And then at the end, he turned and saw that there was actually a, another lady that randomly walked into the church at the same time. And then, you know, they spoke at the conclusion. It turns out that she was also going through some problems in her life. And she wanted to come to church and to pray about them. But as soon as she entered and saw all of these praises about God's goodness and how He saved the Jews from the Egyptians and brought them into the Promised Land and they crossed the Red Sea and gave them freedom and salvation and totally changed her spirit, totally changed her attitude, totally changed her mindset. She said, at that moment, all my problems disappeared. Right? And Abuna says, I walked out also without a single care or concern on my mind. And God just took care of all of those issues by Himself. You see, that's what happens. When we trust God, we say, I know that you can take care of my concerns. And so I just want to thank you. You see, when we recognize the power of praise, we recognize that it's not even limited to a certain place or a certain time. Its power extends beyond what we can imagine. Think about the apostles. Right? Think about how many times they were arrested and imprisoned. In Acts 16, verse 25 and 26, we see a beautiful account whenever St. Paul and Silas were imprisoned. And so at midnight, while they were in jail, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, Notice what happens. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. That's what happens when we praise God. The earth shakes. All the chains are broken. If we want to break those chains, that, those chains that bind us, let's just step outside of our own worries and concerns and dedicate time to praising God. Dedicate time to thanking Him. And it's not just in a literal way, but those chains are those spiritual chains. Those spiritual chains that bind us. Those are broken by offering our gratitude and praise to God. And if we don't have the desire to do that, if we don't feel inclined to do that, this is the advice that I'll leave you with. In, in Kiak, in Sabah Arba, there's this beautiful prayer that we offer. And I want you to keep this in mind. We say, I open my mouth with praise and say with a broken heart, O my Lord Jesus Christ, grant me a praising tongue. I open my mouth with praise and say with a broken heart, O my Lord Jesus Christ, grant me a praising tongue. Grant me a what? A praising tongue. If we pray for that, God will grant us a praising tongue. 
to glorify Him, to thank Him, unto Him is due all glory forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.